everybody. Welcome to All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And we are very excited to be back in the studio with you once again. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our recent episodes. We did a We Were There episode on 2011's Capital Punishment. I went and uh, sat through that one for you uh, back in 10, 11 years ago, just so you don't have to. Uh, we also hope you enjoyed our episode on the first two episodes of Monday Night Raw. That one was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to record. So we've got, we've got some new and exciting stuff coming up. We're going to try to get to a Survivor Series since Thanksgiving's on the calendar here. And we want to bring families together to, you know, to watch Survivor Series and, and things like that. So um, I'm excited. We're excited uh, to jump into this week's episode. And we're very excited to welcome back Dr. Dress to the show. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. We hope you caught her last uh, guest appearance when we discussed the Royal Rumble 1996 and a little bit about some of her really interesting research on uh, wrestling fans, wrestling fan culture. In case you didn't catch that one, and you should, uh, and you need to catch up, um, Dr. Jessica Krennic holds her PhD in theater, dance, and performance studies from the University of Maryland. She researches, writes, and presents extensively about professional wrestling and wrestling fan cultures. Her 2017 dissertation entitled Sexuality, Gender, and the Performance of Wrestling Fan Culture uh, is a really interesting piece of work. You can find it if you have a university close to you with, uh, you know, um, what, what's the, oh, what's the ProQuest, uh, ProQuest right? Yeah. Um, uh, digital dissertations, you can find it. She's also presented uh, extensively at, at places like the Popular Cultural Association Conference, the Mid-Atlantic Theater Conference, and numerous other academic conferences, comic and wrestling cons, and more. And of course, you can find Dr. Jess on Twitter at WrestleAcademic. She was uh, getting ready this weekend, watching her way through WrestleMania 25 in preparation Ooh. for the show. <laughs> she was she was super into it. We could tell uh, oh, by yeah. the, all the all the tweets flying out of there with uh, hashtag Jesselmania twenty five. <laughs> um, I do feel oh. like when you have like I you th- when you have the name Jess, it just lends itself really well to just it can everything can be Jesselmania. The road to Jesselmania, it's just it's all good times. <laughs> you got you you got to do it. Yeah, Jesselmania backlash. Yep, <laughs> everything, everything. The whole you have Jess- to do it all. It, just commit all the way. It all has to happen. Jesselmania weekend and Jesselmania yep. experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So last time um, when Dr. Jess was here, we we invited her to sort of talk about her work and then as sort of as a sideline to watch and review um, the 96 Royal Rumble. This time we were about halfway through Wrestlemania 25 when I think Rich and I both had a had a similar thought. It's like, you know, you know who we should probably talk to about this Uh but whatever the hell is going on here uh, is is Dr. Jess and see what see what she has to say. So we asked and she graciously uh, agreed to come back, which which we really appreciate. So it was it was surreal because um, I think I mentioned this the first time, but it's like I stopped watching wrestling uh, in around 1999 and came back in 2012. Um, and so there's just this weird middle vagueness and this pay-per-view falls into the weird middle vagueness that I've seen like individual matches from, but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing in its entirety. So. And there's like familiar faces and stuff. You're like, Oh yeah. You know, it's that guy. It's it's Dave Batista or it's John Cena or whatever, but like, Mm -hmm. right. Middle, the middle vagueness is a good way to describe it. Maybe that's the tagline for this one. (laughs) So Dr. Jess, the last time we had you on, 
we we had a long discussion about uh, non male wrestling fans and their interactions uh, with with the entertainment form that is professional wrestling. And there was a lot of discussion that kind of was a bit negative just because, you know, we were talking about gatekeeping and the concepts of whether people belong at shows, whether there's a comfortability and, and an inviting atmosphere to shows for people that uh, are not male uh, or do not identify as male. When so, I thought it would be a good time though to ask you since you're back whether there's been whether you experienced anything positive uh, at wrestling shows or anything like that, or it came across any positive experiences in your interviews and stuff like that for your research. Absolutely. So, um, I will say that from my experiences, um, the good far outweighed the bad. Um, I not only made some of the people that I'm closest to, uh, closest friends to, uh, through wrestling fandom, we found each other through social media, through Tumblr, through Twitter. Um, in most cases I've gotten to meet them in real life. Um, in some cases we are still, you know, someday we're going to get to be at a show together. Um, including I have friends from Australia, friends from England, friends from all over the U S. Um, But I think one of the other things that ends up being a lot of fun at shows um, and even when you're not at a show, but when you're just when you're in the wild, um, when another wrestling fan spots, like if you're wearing a shirt or you're wearing some merch that like eyes across the room like you. okay, all right. Hi. (laughs) What are we doing? I have had that with students. So I teach. Um, I have occasionally had students who. Uh, will come by my office hours or come by and be like, hey, I actually really love professional wrestling. I can't believe like my teacher likes professional wrestling. And I'm like, yeah, I have a whole dissertation on it. You should sit down. Um, And so getting to connect to them that way. Um, But I've also just made some really great connections through going to live shows, just being in shows and being in crowds. There's just something about that energy where sometimes even if you're watching a match that isn't the best, but the crowd is really just Mm -hmm. having the great time. You're like, I can be into this because the people around me are having so much fun. I do have an especial soft spot for when I watch little kids lose their minds because they're, it's so genuine. Um, Pure. It's pure. So pure. They're just reacting in the moment to what they're seeing. Um, And I also used to have, um, so I got to go to WWE shows. I took one of my friends. She had never been to a wrestling show. I took her to AEW Full Gear back when it was in Baltimore. Um, She had never watched professional wrestling. She only knew that I loved it. And by the end of it, uh, her favorite match of the night was the death match. Um, <laughs> yeah and she, like she was into it she wanted more blood she wanted more weapons um her favorite her two favorites were the women's match and the death match um and she just was like I, I get it I get it now and I said yeah you once you go once you have that experience um it's easy to fall in love with it and easy to find someone you connect with in her case it was hangman Adam Page which I don't blame her. Mm, um, yeah. I blame her only because he was, she promised me she would cheer for whoever I was cheering for. And he was wrestling Pac that night. He's my favorite wrestler. And she was like, all right, all. And then hangman page came out and she said, I'm 
gonna cheer for him. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, I don't blame you. He's also who you're supposed to cheer for, but you know. He's pretty dreamy. He is. He's an anxious millennial cowboy. We all we all love to see it. We're all there. We're all we're all all every one of us. But yeah, I think that having those moments of very genuine connection it shows and also making connections with so there's the pro wrestling studies association they have a twitter account they have a journal they publish it a lot and they go to a lot of conferences um and there has been such a wonderful camaraderie of people who want to use each other's work who are saying i want to reach out to you because i heard you're doing research on this and my mentor or my guide said that people weren't doing work on this but i see that you are and I want to talk. Um, and it means that there's more wrestling dissertations out there and more wrestling, you know, master's theses out there. And it's wonderful. And it's all because, yes, they are published on the internet. You can find them and you can connect with people. And the wrestling fan scholars that I found are some of the most generous people in the world. Um, I'm very biased because, you know, I'm friends with a lot of them, but they're just truly, truly generous people little teaser tim and i have been tossing around the idea of actually having you come back on the show a third time or sometime to discuss actually studying professional wrestling just because uh wwe has become infamous for changing the narrative of their history and changing of primary sources of their history from like changing uh commentary to censoring what would be considered racist content today to you know taking whole wrestlers out of their history after you know there are tragedies and they say we're just going to remove this person from our programming and so we've we are we don't want to go into it today but we are very curious about how academia handles uh such manipulation and especially since uh, I'm a reference librarian and I do a lot of work with primary sources with the state government and state records. It is very interesting to me that there's an academic study of an entertainment source that just manipulates and changes its history on a whim whenever it wants. Exactly. There are so many shows from WWE and others where there there's no record of them. I mean, there's record of them because fans talk about them, not because there's an official it's weirdly ephemeral in some ways. So yes, stay yeah. tuned. Would love to talk more. It's it's endlessly fascinating and endlessly fruitful, I think, for serious academic study. There's so much of it, you know, some of the things that you were talking about is, um, you know, sort of the audience involvement and sort of the, the performance art theater nature of what's going on and how so much of what happens in the ring is is you know, a interplay with the audience. And we see that when we watch a live event like WrestleMania and we don't get that when we watch it on tape, you know, 20 years, 10 years, whatever, after the fact. Um, so that's a very different experience. And that that's something that's very interesting to me. Um, you know, I was, I was meeting with uh, our, our records manager this, this morning, the guy who's sort of handling the records management um, processes inventory for the university as a whole uh and i didn't bring up wrestling but it was very much on my mind after we hung up i'm like oh you know like the stuff that he's talking about you know about you know inventorying things and tracking what gets deleted and how do you know where something is and what the provenance was etc etc um all has endless again implications for uh the history of a 
business and of an art form um, that, right, that does so much of it is its carny beginnings and still nature. Um, yeah. I think it's a big part of it. So anyway. And WWE has such an interesting, I promise we're not going to do this all today, um, but such an interesting <laughs> dynamic with the combination of their televised shows, their pay-per-views and their house shows. Um, and I don't know if either of you have had the opportunity to go to a house show, but there's, I would just describe it as playful. There's just much more willingness to like, there's shenan- there's more shenanigans. Um, and there really is even more of a feel that like the matches and the outcomes are really being guided by the crowd in a way that when you're putting something on television as part of the official narrative, you're like, no, we can't, we got to, we got to do it the way we're supposed to do it. But if you're at a house show and you're like, well, this isn't an official anything. Right. This is just a show in front of these people. Yeah. You know what? We're going to send them home happy. It doesn't matter if that wasn't what yeah. we were supposed to do. It's like the curtain call it, like happening at that house show. Basically, according to lore, changed history because Triple H was supposed to win that next King of the Ring after the curtain call. He gets in trouble for breaking kayfabe with the curtain call with, with Sean and uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And the next person in the rotation to be moved up ends up winning the King of the Ring, and that is Stone Cold. So Stone Cold Steve Austin wins that King of the Ring instead of Triple H, and suddenly we get the Austin 316 uh, promo dropped at that King of the Ring, and we have a mega superstar born out of shenanigans that happened at a house show that no one thought would be seen. Yeah. Wasn't supposed to be on camera. (laughs) right and you know in the in the territory days you know you could you could drop a belt somewhere or have some kind of an an unconventional finish right and then on to the next town it's not on tv you just set the record straight at the next tv event or whatever nobody needs to know what happened so all right um before we get way down the rabbit hole (laughs) uh find find bray wyatt at the other end uh Maybe uh, we should talk. Well, one one more quick question before we jump to WrestleMania 25. Or have you been to any shows lately? Or are you going to any shows in the near future? Um, going to a couple of shows in the near future. So we'll be going to, um, hopefully, um, another AEW show when they're in town. But this Ooh. coming weekend, there is Flying V is doing, mm-hmm. hold on. I've got to get the name right because it's really good. I saw the I saw the flyer you posted. I think I, I yes, both really uh, both eyes and black eyes is this show, um, Flying V fights. So on Friday night they're doing their um, fancy fundraising party uh, for Flying V, and then on Saturday they're doing their show. And then um, PW Vibe is coming back to DC Pro Wrestling Vibe, um, which they have not had a show um, locally since 2020, right before the pandemic shut everything down. They had Butch versus Gore, which is still an amazing name for a show (laughs) in DC. Uh, It was beautiful. Uh, They are going to be back on November 6th and they do their shows out of DC Brow. So surrounded by beer, um, but they have on uh, November 6th, it's primetime vibes. Um, and they're finally coming home to DC. So beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. And they've just announced that uh, Mr. Grimm is going to face Hoodfoot. 
So that's <laughs> going to be a big old hoss fight. <laughs> big, Are you going man. to... <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. Are you going yeah. to the DC or the Baltimore uh, AEW show? Uh, Baltimore. I have a friend I'll, who's coming into town, and I'll she, see you uh, there. yay! Yes, she was. Yeah. Fly- when she was coming in, she said, "Oh, I was like, oh, good, you'll be able to watch. We'll watch Dynamite together." And then I was like, "Actually, you want to go see Dynamite together because she is a wrestling friend that I made." who is now coming to see me from Ohio. So we're going to get to go see live wrestling together for the first time since 2019. That's awesome. We'll have to coordinate a meetup. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Rich will, Rich will meet you at the, uh, Rita's ice stand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to AEW dynamite here in Norfolk on the 26th. It's at the Chartway Arena, which is like right across the street from my office. That's awesome. Park in my usual garage and maybe wear a wrestling shirt to work that day. Yeah. I do love, you mentioned this, I do love wearing my wrestling shirts. The one, Mm -hmm. my favorite one is probably my pink Bret Hitman Hart one. And every time I wear it, I bump into somebody who's like, oh man, Bret Hart. And then we talk, you know, I I usually give them the podcast business card because I just, I can't help myself. Because you Um, have to. It's like, I got to. might as well, right? Yeah, I was at a, I was at a brewery a couple weekends ago. This guy was wearing a like an old school, like like clearly from the '90s, not not a reprint, you know, from Target or whatever, but like NWO shirt. I'm like, brother, like look, if you like the classic wrestlings, yes. let me hip you, let me hip you to this podcast. And I yeah. slipped in the card. He 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 looked at me like he's like, why are you talking to me? I'm like, I you know just <laughs> listen, just listen to this. Man. Please, I'm good. just just one episode, please. Yeah, my uh my kid's uh daycare teacher actually made a comment about my own heart shirt the other morning. So uh, there's a kindred spirit there that at some point I can try and slip her the card, but I normally see her at like seven 15 in the morning and I'm trying to get the heck out of there without a meltdown and trying to get to my job. So, but one day there may be an opportunity to talk to her about uh, the old squared circle. <laughs> you should find out what car she drives and stick one under her uh, windshield yeah. wipers. That, wouldn't be weird. Uh, no one would. It's not, be no. it's not creepy at all. No. 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 All right, guys, are we ready to talk WrestleMania 25? Sure. Yes. <laughs> it's like an anniversary or something. It's like uh, two and a half decades uh, coming uh, at you. <laughs> their inability to do math drives me nuts. <laughs> this is the 24th anniversary of WrestleMania. It is the 25th WrestleMania. You you don't get married on your first wedding anniversary WrestleMania. I'm sorry. That's not how the math works. I don't know. This is coming to you from the Reliance Stadium in Houston, Texas from April 5th, 2009. The attendance was 72,744. Big show. Uh, pay-per-view, pay-per-view buys, 960000 The runtime on this bad boy is three hours and 57 minutes. So strap oh. yourself in. Get the big soda. Uh, maybe, um, you know, be ready with the pause button because you're going to need a, the bathroom. Or get a catheter, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, one way or the other. Adult diapers. The 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 tagline on this one, you're going to love this, Rich. The tagline on this one is the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not a mathematician, but someone has to be like there that can just be like uh guys. Like I just imagine there's like one guy with a pocket protector in like the writing 
room at WWE going, well, guys, it's technically the the twenty the twenty fourth anniversary, and, and everyone's then, just throwing things at Shut them. Up, yeah. nerd. Shut up, nerd! Triple H pedigrees him through the table. He's like, "It's the twenty fifth. I'm the game." They say that man is still in a locker to this day. <laughs> Sorry, sir. You tried to present math. You didn't have Steiner math to keep it interesting. So. <laughs> regret to inform you in addition to being wrong it's also just astonishingly uncreative and boring like like really like nothing like that's that's all i got anyway uh commentary on this one is a little unique actually we've got ross uh good old jr we got michael cole boo and we got jerry the king lawler um for the whole show there's no switching off of raw yeah. smackdown announcers so that's kind of unusual and we also don't have a fourth commentator it's i've got some more things to say about commentary as we get into this but it actually kind of worked for me as cole is sort yeah. of relegated to third tier and he kind of just sits there and shuts his fat stupid mouth um so i, I was okay with it yeah he occasionally just like yeah. fact drops in for yeah. the most part but other than that he's he just sits there and takes in the show and lets uh jr do his masterful work i appreciated that yeah it was pretty much michael cole was there to be a little bit of not quite color commentary but to be like yeah here's some stats here's maybe some things to add a little bit of color and then i'm gonna shut up which is the goal that is that should be his goal yes and then for ring announcing, we've got Lillian Garcia and Justin Roberts for this one. There's no Howard Finkel. And I I just sort of realized like, oh, shit, where's Howard Finkel? Um, so I went back and, and looked. And so he was on he's on this one during the Hall of Fame. Um, he was on 22, 23 and 24 for the Hall of Fame portion of the show. But his last actual in-ring ones as ring announcer were 19, 20 and 21, where he did the raw matches and switched off with Tony Chimmel for SmackDown and his last solo one was WrestleMania 18. So, uh, the Fink is, uh, it's kind of getting out of the rotation. He's been a stalwart. And that voice is just so iconic with, with WWE. It's, you know, there, there's some sort of magic that disappears with WWE when he stops doing the ring announcing full time. I don't know. It's just something there's just something that like it's like watching a Stone Cold match without JR calling it. It's this is yeah. this is the Fink. I am used to him saying and new like that 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 cadence that he had was just so iconic to their product that it's it's kind of sad that he's not there. Yeah, it's I feel like one thing that the WWE often often really had going was their their announcers and commentators with a few exceptions but you know nothing's perfect brought like were so much a part of framing the experience like growing up with Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan like that is what I associate when I think of those matches even if there's even if I was watching them without the sound I could hear it um my brother and I will still have conversations where we'll remember like words that we learned because the commentators would use them, especially Gorilla Monsoon. My brother was like, hey, do you remember where we learned the word lacerated? And I'm like, yeah, Macho Man lacerated his tongue. Yes. Um, yes, yep. I remember that. That was yep. so traumatic. I was yep. scarred. Like it, 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 He had been dropped over the metal grate surrounding the ring. 
and they're in like gorilla monsoon and a serious voice is like the macho man has lacerated his tongue yep it was like oh my god this is very real and very upsetting um but just it's it's they are so much a part of creating that atmosphere and you really there's just some calls that i can't imagine anyone else making i just think that the moments would be so much less impactful if it wasn't if it wasn't jr if it wasn't fang if it wasn't you know Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, it's like, well, that wouldn't have, the emotional resonance would not have felt the same. Yeah, the, we 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 have definitely missed some of those guys, you know, Gorilla Monsoon in particular. Actually, there was just a Twitter thread, maybe you saw the same one, about words that you learned from wrestling commentary and uh, external occipital protuberance made, a, <laughs> That's made an appearance, of course. Um, the solar plexus, uh, Gorilla yeah, that guy was a treasure trove. So, he really was. Um, so I don't know. Do uh, so. Just you mentioned that this particular one was kind of in your what'd you call it? The vague, the great uh, vagueness, the, the great, great the va- middle vagueness, the middle vagueness, <laughs> the middle vagueness of your wrestling yep. watching. Do you have any kind of uh, context recollection for this one where you were, if you would have seen it the first time around, anything about it? No, definitely did not see this <laughs> the first time around. Um, this would have been, I mean, so 2009, I'm like, oh man, I was finishing up my time in Boston, um, getting ready to move to Maryland to start my PhD. Um, and I think, I mean, I think at this point, I, I knew about wrestling on the periphery because my brothers never stopped. But as far as like, when I think about wrestlers who in 2009, I would have known, um, I would have known basically the whole Chris Jericho match. Not surprising. I would have remembered Kane. Um, and then I would have known um, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. And I would have known Triple H. I would have had no idea who Randy Orton was. Um, a different time. A simpler time. When Jealous. I didn't know who Randy <laughs> I know. God, I wish that were me. Can we go back to those Halcyon days? Right. Can we go back to a time when I didn't have to know who Randy Orton was? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, when I had stopped watching, so 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 I was like, ah, yes, Rumble 96. Did did watch that. Remember watching that at, when I was younger. But it's like so many of the people who were featured here either, you know, made their debuts in the middle of Vagueness or they underwent a character transformation because Hunter Hearst Helmsley was on my television when I stopped watching and Triple H was there when I came back. And I was like, well, I mean, I knew DX. I knew because you couldn't, I mean, as they said on the documentary about, about DX, it's like you were either sucking it or someone was telling you to suck it. Like you couldn't, (laughs) didn't even have to be a wrestling fan to be like, ah, I know this. Um, But so much else was, you know, I learned it or watched it after the fact. So coming to this pay-per-view, I knew the outcomes for some of the bigger matches. Um, Like I knew Punk, spoiler, Punk won the briefcase again, but I was also, what? what? That didn't happen. Uh, But I was also like, I missed, I missed everything about the Hardys. Um, They were just never a part of my fandom experience. And so I'm like, these guys are dicks. <laughs> this man hurt a dog. I don't like this at all. That's kind of um, fascinating, actually. It's like a like an alternate history almost. It's just like 
like a what if, you know, what if movies yep. never existed? Yep. There's yeah. so many wrestlers that I, you know, and I was able to understand, you know, as an adult, I was like, no, no, no. I knew people who loved the Hardys. I knew a lot of girls who had Hardy posters up in their rooms, <laughs> a lot of girls. Um, but it just, so much of that passed me by. And so it's interesting for me to go back and try to imagine what it must have been like to watch and not know, you know, Broken Matt Hardy and not know, you know, the present day situation um, or know other things about the wrestlers to just be experiencing them live. It sounds like it would be cool. <laughs> yes, this is in my period of where I'm watching and I know I watched this WrestleMania when it happened, but I don't remember much of it uh the it's weird that like i can sit there and i can remember everything from like the 1992 royal rumble or you know like the survivor series from 91 but i i this wrestlemania which was only what uh 13 years ago nah like i don't know what it is it's like and it wasn't like i drank <laughs> or anything like that it's just i that's my I don't excuse know. i don't know maybe it's just something with the product it's not as memorable um they're so focused on making moments that they actually failed to make moments i don't i don't know um yeah it's it's a weird little phenomenon that happens there and i was still watching every week and i remember every single wrestler that is on this card but whether I actually remember their matches or anything like that from this, I know. So it was, it was nice to, yeah. it was kind of nice to see some of it again. As, uh, as Peter Griffin tells, uh, tells Lois, um, about the Godfather, it insists upon itself, it Lois. It insists upon itself. It insists upon itself. <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely in my middle vagueness as well. I, you know, I think actually, as I'm looking through this, I feel like the, debut or the release of the film the wrestler uh, is actually what made me sort of kind of start paying a little bit more attention to uh to wrestling again which would have been kind of after this right so <clears throat> maybe when we get to 26 i'll have a little bit more memory of it so anyway well good well so we're all coming from a sort of similar collective amnesia which is the perfect place to experience a wrestlemania i think like we have no no expectations, no, uh, no preconceptions. We're just, we're just here for it. We're just, it's very Zen. We're just going to let it wash over us. We're just going to, uh, explore it and take it in, um, together as a, as a, as a family, as a, we're not a family. It's okay. Yeah. You know who else has experienced the WrestleMania? Who's that? Edge. Edge reminds us again that he was at WrestleMania six to see Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior. This is like the fourth or fifth WrestleMania where he drags that into his story somehow. And uh, edge, we get it. We get it. We're very proud of you. Good job. We're so proud that you were there. We're so proud of you. Rich, weren't you licked by a bushwhacker? I was licked by a bushwhacker. This is his (laughs) licking of, by a, of a bushwhacker. Like, yeah. Uh, so, th- so just uh, think maybe for a future episode, think about what your 
what your uh, licked by a bushwhacker WrestleMania six. Yeah, sport I do story have to is. come up with my like, what's the story? I would just drop into every conversation. Part of it, uh, the the one that I used to drop into conversation is that I apparently went to school. I was too small to know this um, with Don Morocco's daughter, uh-huh. um, because my dad would see him at the pickup and they would talk. And, you know, my dad was like, he was huge um, and he was very nice. And I was like, sure, dad, I'm not, I'm very glad that you got to talk to the magnificent Morocco. That's awesome. Um, I was four. I (laughs) couldn't pick his daughter out of a lineup, but I'm glad that I went to school with her dad. That's my dad's story. That's my dad's licked by a bushwhacker story. Yeah, that's a solid one. That's a a solid one. I have I have a couple contenders. I'm just going to give you one of them is uh, we I spent New Year's Eve at the house of the local weatherman uh, in uh, around York Lancaster, PA. Uh, Doug Allen. He had a little New Year's Eve party. Friend of a friend. We hung out with Doug Allen and all the entire cast of the uh, local news station. It was great. Um, I was a high school student. I drank a lot of the champagne punch while nobody was looking. Um, Doug Allen's like super hot wife gave me a kiss at, at midnight. Uh, I, I think about that a lot. And, and I mentioned to people, but you know, once, once you move out of the central PA, they're like, who, who the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what is that? How is that possibly a thing? It just is. Anyway, anyway, I'm not, I'm not going to force it into this conversation, even though I just did. Um, are we ready to talk about some matches? I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk about some of these matches. Just some of them. Just some of them. We can maybe skim some of them. We opened this one, uh, as the last few WrestleManias have done, with a Money in the Bank ladder match. This one includes CM Punk, Christian, Finlay, uh, with Hornswoggle, his son, I guess, illegitimate son, a strange son, I'm not sure, uh, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Mark Henry, who's here with Tony Atlas, which was nice to see, uh, good old MVP, and human fucking... Fearless cannonball gymnastic maniac Shelton Benjamin. Uh, the absolutely ageless Shelton Benjamin. He has looked like that and will look like that forever. He's the Paul Rudd of wrestling. Yes, absolutely. And as we, I think, you know, I'll just start as we've noticed actually the last few times we've seen a Money in the Bank ladder match with Shelton Benjamin. That guy is freaking amazing. And yet they don't let him win it. I know. No. What a what a bunch of shit. For this pay per view, there's actually some good signs, and there was one amazing one that got right on camera as someone came down the aisle that said, "Boo this man." <laughs> uh, I like Perfect. I like the I like the cue card signs that tell yep. you what to do. The simplicity. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, really struck in this in this match. Um, watching Shelton, watching MVP, my Mm. God, watching Mark Henry and watching Kofi Kingston, where I'm just thinking these are truly four of the best. They are out here. Kofi Kingston is, as ever, displaying as little regard for his own body as is humanly possible. I'm like, why would you do that move on to the ladder, my friend? That helped no one. That hurt you while hurting them. Um, but just just watching them and realizing that, you know, and truly these are four absolute all-timers um, yeah. who I think all but at this point, I mean, Mark Henry is with AEW, but I mean, Kofi and 
Shelton and and MVP MVP showed up in a rumble recently. I remember that at least are still out there and are still yeah. doing absolutely amazing work um, and have amazing story arcs. I was sad that MVP was in this match because he was the U.S. title holder. So that meant that the U.S. title won't be defended at WrestleMania. Yeah. And it was nice to see Tony Atlas roll out. But of all the Money in the Bank matches that we've watched so far, this one looked the most choreographed. It looked like it was going from spot to spot and that someone in the back had actually like wrote stage directions for them or something. And it looked it looked like modern day AEW wrestling. And whether that's bad or good is up to you. But like this is it's a different style than what we're used to seeing out of WWE uh, at this time period. And so we're seeing I felt like there was a lot more spots that looked a lot more indie style that you would see at an indie show. And there was and that that trend kind of happens through this whole show that this the wrestling in this WrestleMania looks different than what we're used to seeing in the other stuff prior to this. Yeah, it definitely had a, here's a spot. Here's the spot. We have to do this. Oh, right. Christian's here. Um, which was yeah. how I kept reacting during the match. I was like, Oh, there's, oh Hey, there he is. He's coming out. Um, and it did feel a little bit like they were like, okay, Kane and Mark Henry, you're our big men. You're going to do the big man stuff. Uh, Kofi, Shelton, you're going to do the regrettable stuff. Christian, you're here. Uh, MVP, <laughs> you're just going to be a workhorse. Like, we need you to just kind of make this stuff look good uh, and base for some people. Um and bless him, he did it. He was like, all right, I'll I'll protect you. Um, shockingly, you know, spoilers, I felt less uh, at risk for people's lives than I did during the Undertaker-Shawn Michaels match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in spite of the amount of ladders that people went off. And also, you know, Hornswoggle bringing out a tiny ladder. It's pretty good. Yeah, that was adorable. He's had a tiny yeah. ladder. And I'm like, ah, that's like when Big Show had a really big chair. At TLC, <laughs> this is fine. I like when people have things that are their size. Well, he, he um, thinks he's going to get to the belt that way. That's, that's yep. the best. It's so good. Uh, yeah. The only only thing that like I like cringed at was that there was a really ugly spot with MVP uh, near the end of the match. Uh, him and Benjamin slipped or something, and you can see MVP's head bounce off about three or four rungs going down the ladder, and it was like that was not supposed to happen like that. And uh, I hope he's okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, it definitely was a match that I'm like, it's nice to watch this in 2022 and be like, all of these men are alive. Yeah. <laughs> they are all still relatively able-bodied. So even if what I'm seeing here is a little terrifying, it's okay. I know they're going to be okay. I've, I've seen them. I've seen them since this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the only two who aren't sort of like regularly active are Finlay, who I believe does a lot of training these days and Hornswoggle, who we actually saw at the uh, autograph thing that we went to back in the yeah. fall. The um, so that's that something. Yeah. And um, Finley's, um, I think he has kids who are wrestling at this point. Maybe hmm. that might be true. Sure. Yeah. We'll fact check that. 
Yeah, Rich yeah. can Rich can fact check us later. That's what he does. He's got a little theme for it and everything. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so uh, yeah, CM Punk wins for the second year in a row. I'm pretty sure he says, "What's my fucking name?" As he takes the belt, he's he's yelling. Uh, I don't know if that's straight edge or not. I don't know. If, are you allowed to curse? I know. Are you allowed to say edge? punk? Oh, by the, uh, by the way, yeah, David uh, David Finlay, who wrestles for um, New Japan, is yeah. his son and looks very floppy haired. And I don't know. I think he's trying to be cool now. Which, come on, man. <laughs> but yeah, CM, CM Punk wins, and I'm like, I think my response was okay. Next, it's fine. So there's a couple of things coming up that that really sort of tried my patience, like right off the bat here. So there's, <laughs> yeah. First of all, there's a there's like a full on fucking Kid Rock concert here. There's he does I don't know three four I can't tell his songs apart. He does like three or four songs. It's, it's a medley. Um, he does at least four. But for all I know, it was six because they do all just start <laughs> bleeding into one another. Well, you can take the average. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he did five songs, a medley okay. of Bawitted Daba, Rock and yeah, Roll Jesus, that was that first one. Cowboy, All Summer Long, and So Hot. And Hot is spelled with two T's because it's mm. so And I think hot. that was, I believe they said that was the one that was like the WrestleMania, like a theme or like, yeah. you know, this is for WrestleMania. And I was like, that's a shame. Sure. Yeah. Ugh, it goes on for fucking ever. Uh, I, yeah, I fast forwarded. I fast forwarded. The only way I can describe it is it just kept happening. <laughs> yeah. And like, they'd occasionally cut to someone in the crowd who seemed kind of into it. But it was Nobody also, was when it. I, no one was really feeling it. And it also relatively speaking i'm like this is awfully early in the night for giving people like a music you've shown them one yeah. match and you're like all right they need a break it's time for kid rock everybody <laughs> let's kill the momentum of the show completely yep yeah and i think i mean rich you said even like most of the stuff uh up to and including the next match sort almost feel like sort of like a pre-show like like stuff you'd sit and watch yeah. while you're waiting for the actual show to begin uh and it, it didn't do him any favors also they're in houston that's not fucking kid rock territory he's, no he's from he's detroit where is zz top god damn it that's what i want right. like wh- just bring out some like you can bring out some country you can bring out some um Oh no, Paul Wall is from Dallas. Like you can just there's you can bring out you know people. Willie who Nelson. Are nearby. Where's Willie Nelson? America's national treasure, Willie Nelson. That's who belongs right here. Yeah. Just a just a long set, like a forty minute version of Whiskey River. A lot yeah. of harmonica solos. They had uh, Nicole Scherzinger earlier in the show. Why can't she do they something did. or something? Like uh, at one point, Kid Rock screams, "Where you at, Houston?" Uh, We're here. I think he's upset because the crowd doesn't care. And then I was just like, does he not know where Houston is? Does he not know where he is? It's, (laughs) I think it's possible. And then the last song that he does, the, all the divas come out and dance really badly, all trying to be strippery, porny kind of looks with their dancing. And it's just, and then I was like, Oh, well they paraded them out. Oh, look, they're all fighting. Yeah, so that yeah. gets us. And by the way, next... we're not really going to show them, and we're going to casually be like, "Oh, Layla got eliminated before it even started." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, then it shouldn't count, friends." <laughs> That's why you have the bell, dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> so, don't yeah, introduce. So... <laughs> they don't introduce anyone. No. Um, and they, yeah, it was. And I, I, I will say, and again, some of it's because some of them were still wrestling. 
Um, by the time I came back, some of them were like doing indie stuff like Katarina who Katie, I think she was Katie Lee at this point, but, um, I recognized a lot of them. I was like, hello, hello, Alicia Fox. I want to see you do the best Northern light suplex, suplex in the business. Uh, you didn't get to, which is not surprising. Um, you know, hello, Natty. Hello, you know, some of the women, but I was reminded that I was like, this was an era where they really were not that invested in making sure they looked very different. Um, yeah. They couldn't even have think, last names. Yeah. I yeah. think JR at one point, and I, I know he was, he was, I'm like, JR, you were making a joke. It's actually kind of funny, but he said like, my money's on the blonde. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. ha it's funny. Cause a lot of them are blonde JR. That's the least creepy joke that anyone's made tonight. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> They also changed the rules for the battle royal. They don't yep. need to go over the top rope. They just need to be put outside of the ring in some fashion. And uh, I mean, I guess it speeds up the match, obviously, but it feels kind of insulting that like they're not like real wrestlers to wrestle the real rules of a battle royal. That they're just here's a bunch of, of pretty ladies. Oh uh, well, you know most of them and uh, tearing each other's hair out and then uh the best part of the whole match was beth phoenix she's basically doing a cane impersonation through the whole thing just like suddenly just throwing everybody out of the match uh it was like cane at a royal rumble it's great they say they're like it lasted seven and a half minutes and i'm like that must have included that entrance because boy that match wasn't long and it also um they definitely, I was like, that's right. I remember that there was a time when they made sure that if women were wrestling, that it sounded vaguely pornographic um, because they just have to make a lot of cat fight noises and just screech and, you know, make sure that everything sounds a little bit suggestive. And I was like, except I can't even tell who's getting eliminated because you're all just sort of a vague mass of glitter and hair. And then occasionally there are less of you. Yeah, it's it's a mess. I will let me run down the participants here just so we recognize their contributions in, in a way that uh, maybe this WrestleMania didn't even bother to do. This is the Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal. Uh, May Young is a special guest timekeeper. So hello, May Young. Um, our participants were Alicia Fox, Beth Phoenix, Brie Bella, Eve Torres, Gail Kim, Jackie Gaeta, Jillian Hall. Joy Giovanni, Katie Leah Burchill, Kelly Kelly, Layla, no last name, Maria, no last name, Maurice, no last name, Melina, no last name, Michelle McCool, aka Mrs. Undertaker, uh, Mickey James, Molly Holly, Natalia, Nikki Bella, Rosa Mendez, Sunny, Tiffany, Toy Wilson, and Victoria. So there you go. And yeah, I remember some of those folks. I re- I do have zero recollection of many more of them. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the finish? <laughs> Should we just move oh. on? <laughs> <laughs> I think oof about, I think it's also, I mean, the fact that they, they basically go, um, what, what did you say about 90%, maybe 70 of commentary, like not noting that there is a man in drag in the ring, like just not paying attention to it at all. Usually because they're like fawning over Sonny or they're talking about, I think at one point 
one of them says, oh, Maurice is the Divas champion. And I was like, thank you. I didn't know <laughs> who was the, if there even was a title at this point. Um, because you didn't mention it. But then suddenly they're like, oh, who's that ugly one in the pink? And it's like, we we know what this has been setting up. I do think at that point you could see a sign in the crowd that was like, we came for Santino. And I'm like, then this is your fault. You, whoever the person was that night, you did this. You're on the wrong side of history, sir. Yeah, As Jerry Lawler noted, the first diva with a five o'clock shadow. Yep. I get really, I, I mentioned it as I was, as I was watching it last night, but it was impressive to, I'm like, that was, they managed to do fat phobic, slut shaming, and transphobic in like 30 seconds. I was like, wow, good, great job. Thanks. Yeah, it's impressive. It's it's attitude era level yep. of uh of and they issues. they definitely had uh Santina's celebration afterward go on longer than some of the women were in the match, which I think <laughs> that's when I was like, I really need this to be done. I can't keep watching this. So Santina is supposed to be Santino's twin sister. So it's not even like it's so they're not even portraying that like Santino dressed himself as in drag to disguise himself in there that it's it's a totally different persona, supposedly, uh, that he is portraying. Uh, I mean, I don't know really how to approach that because you know i is like it's not like in uh the nwa show that we watched where it was ron garvin intentionally cross-dressing to disguise his identity in a match with people uh this is him trying to establish a second character like is it i'm i'm unclear whether he's doing it to run a scam or if it's a supposedly a real, for lack of a better word, trans character, uh, it just it there's something there that like I feel uncomfortable and unable to pinpoint what I don't like about it, but I don't like it. No, and I because again I was like, wow, this is certainly quite a welcome back to the middle vagueness, but. That I was like, okay, so Santino and Beth Phoenix had done like a weird power couple thing for a while the previous year. Apparently, like he had been like, no, I want to, I want to be Miss WrestleMania, and like challenged Mickey James for a spot in in the match and lost. And I was like, okay, so this wasn't like a one-off. They set this up and they still thought, yeah, let's keep going. This is comedy gold. <laughs> yeah, no, good, good. Go with that. Don't just don't, let's not mess with it. You know, I think we've got it really, it's going here. Let's just, let's just go ahead. Yeah. So I just, my, my notes for this one are just like, well, so we got 24 women in this match and the guy wins. So here we go. And I'm, I feel like in the last few years, because even when I wasn't keeping up with WWE, I'll still watch the Rumble. I feel like Santina showed back up in a women's Rumble. (laughs) 
Santina Morella was the 29th entrant into the 2020 Women's Royal Rumble. In the last few years. And like eliminated, like was like, oh, I get it. And like eliminated uh, herself. But I was like, this truly is the darkest timeline that it's like, haha, here's a reference for those of you who were watching. Like, I wish I wasn't. I truly and wish I wasn't. Just match wise, Santina did win in kind of a Ric Flair style of the of the Rumble to where uh, uh, Beth Phoenix is outside and grabs hold of a rival. I can't. I didn't yeah, even know who it was. It was. Melina grabs hold of Melina and is like trying to yank her out of the ring. And Santina sneaks up behind her and tosses her over a la Hogan, Sid and Ric Flair. Um, It was, I, I, I don't know. I doubt that was intentional callback (laughs) to that, Um, but it was a wonderful, I, I at least just outside of, of the horribleness of Santina. I enjoyed that spot, but I always enjoy like, I always enjoy a sneaky win. Like that's always fun as a like yeah. eliminator, whether it was the, like I was hiding under the ring and I pop back up or whether it was like, I kind of stay out of it. And then I do a double elimination because other people are doing cool stuff. Like conceptually that's super fun. It's just, then you remember it's Santino in a wig. And the crowd was not happy about that. The crowd no. I, was no, like, this was illegitimate. This is not right. They, uh, I don't think it was like uh, wanting Razor Ramon to beat the shit out of gold dust uh, kind of heat. I think they just in gen- genuinely did not like the result of this match. No. And it's like, obviously, I... I don't know if it was that they were, you know, they were like, we wanted a woman to win. Or if it was also, we wanted to look at someone hot. Why are you making us watch this man dance around in a dress? And I'm like, either way, you're not happy. You just had to listen to Kid Rock and now this. Like, this cannot. (laughs) Haven't we suffered enough? Yeah. Please. Whatever we're about to watch next has to be better than this. Yeah. And Jerry Lawler did land. And a very funny line that uh, I've been married three times. From now on, I'm just going to lease. Um, <laughs> yep. Classic Jerry Lawler. Uh, inappropriate, but still got me to chuckle a little bit when I yep. heard that. There were still that moments where I'm like, oh, see, that's again. Because I'm like, that's a good one. Because I'm like, you're not offending anybody. That's just making fun of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's keep it moving because that was that was not good. Um, the next thing up is a handicap elimination match. This is Chris Jericho versus uh, three guys: Jimmy Snuka, Ricky Steamboat, and Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Um, the three legends have Ric Flair in their corner. So the whole setup for this one is that Jericho's been bad mouthing the legends as sort of pathetic has-beens. The impetus is the Mickey Rourke movie, The Wrestler, uh, which sort of depicts the life of a former superstar who's past his prime, trying to make a living, et cetera, et cetera. And I, you know, I have to say, I really love this angle. I think it's yeah. a really smart way to generate heat. Like you bring these guys back from your childhood or you love, and you let this fucking like smarmy looking Canadian jack wagon with blonde hair, just make fun of them. And, um, 
and it's it's great and the crowd is is into it mickey rourke is here at ringside um because of the movie there's a it's a tie-in you know whatever we got we're uh product integration or whatever you want to call it um i will say though that the fans who are sort of in his face at ringside he does not look particularly comfortable in that setting um he's got mma fighters on either side of him i think maybe there's security or maybe they're just his buddies i don't know um so yeah, did you uh, did you guys like the setup for this one? Yeah, I yeah. mean we we talk a lot of shit about Chris Jericho these days just because, you know, he's definitely past his prime for ring talent, but there's no denying that he's always able to generate heat, especially as a heel. And in AEW, he's he is trying his damnedest to get that crowd to boo him. And it's just the 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 fan base refuses to do it, but he still sticks to it. And uh, I, I still think that if he changed his theme song in AEW, he would be able to get booed again. Uh, but apparently uh, Tony Khan isn't letting him do that. But here it's it's classic Jericho generating heat. He might as well have rolled out with a long printout of grievances and just started talking shit about every Hall of Famer. Uh, it was so good. It's a great setup for this match. And uh, man, Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> oh, oh my God. He is still ready to go. He He's ring ready. He looks good. And he he brings it. He he fucking brings it. I can't believe it. Uh, he's, he's incredible. He's incredible. He, I mean, he was one of our favorites, uh, my favorites as a, as a kid. Uh, he was, you know, sort of the consummate good guy, a little bit like a Tito Santana kind of thing. Just, just the ever, ever smiling, ever, ever happy, ever, uh, just good, you know, face. Uh, and he's just, he's fucking, man, come on. Seriously. The other guys look a little he's bit so rough. Cool. It's <laughs> just, so cool. he's, he has, he's, he's guys, he's wrestling again at the end of November. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm because I'm like, you know what? If I have to have faith that there's anyone who probably can still at least look respectable in a ring, even now, I'm like, it's gonna be Ricky Steamboat. Um, I hope. Yeah, I, I mean pray. I doubt he's gonna be able to climb the ropes in the middle without holding on to them like he does in that one Ric <laughs> yeah. Flair match. Uh but there's there's no doubt in my mind that he's at least still going to be able to lock in intense vicious looking headlocks deliver those karate like chops and just lay it in on somebody and take someone to the woodshed for like five minutes there's no doubt in my mind that he could still do that right now yeah and it was watching the match it was a moment where i was able to put myself in the of like imagine i would in 2009 have been like ricky steamboat's about to win this match he is about to humiliate Chris yeah. Jericho and get the win for the veterans and make Chris Jericho look like a stupid jerk. Um, and he, I mean, even, even if he doesn't get the win, he's still, he looks fantastic. Everything looks really sharp. It looks really clean. And again, Chris Jericho is, if nothing else, truly consummate professional in a lot of ways at this point, especially in the ring where he's like, Oh no, I'm going to make sure that like, I let Ricky Steamboat kick the crap out of me. Like I am, yes, I am going to sell this 
with exactly the amount of respect it deserves. Yeah, and the, their parts their parts of the match together are are fantastic. Honestly, they're as they're as good as anything on TV uh, at the moment. Um, you know, Snuka comes and goes pretty quickly. You can tell he sort of needed to get out of there. Um, Piper's section is is okay. Um, he's wearing a shirt that says "Old School's Cool." Uh, WrestleMania 0 and 25 on the back of it because he's never won a uh, kind of reverse uh, Undertaker dig there. Um, JR gives us a really good line that says, uh, there's nothing pretty about Piper's offense, but everything he does hurts, which I really liked. Uh, Yeah, there's there's a lot of little subtlety in this match, too. Lawler turns babyface commentator during this match. Um, he is on the side of the Hall of Famers. And so that was kind of a refreshing little turn that like he he's not just always going to be sticking up for the heel. He he recognizes that his friends are in the ring and he needs to uh, talk good about them. And, yeah. you know, uh, Piper gets in his eye gouges, you know, Jericho eats a classic move from every single one of the, one of the participants, which is great. I really got nervous that Snuka was going to try to jump from the top rope at one point that like I was getting, I was relieved when he submitted and left the match because I was very nervous that he was going to try something like crazy, but yeah, this match was also like the perfect length for what it was. They didn't drag it out, but they also didn't rush it it had good pacing and it made sense and it told a good story. And this is probably up there for one of the best matches of the night, in my opinion. Yeah. It was a lot yeah. of fun. It was just, yeah, it was fun all the way through. And it was, to me, it was, you know, we, we get a couple of reminders, I think at this, at this show, like what wrestling can be when it's at its best, kind of the two ends of the, of the spectrum where, I think, yes, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker is wrestling at its best in a completely different way than Chris Jericho versus Three Legends, um, who are all, like, everyone in that match is like, nope, we're giving this our best. We're going to do all the throwbacks. We're going to make sure that, you know, even if Chris Jericho wins, that people are going to go home happy because they got to see us each do our thing. But, yes, mercifully not Jimmy Snuka going to the top rope. <laughs> yeah. like, Let's go home, buddy. Let's bring it I- home. You've had your fun. The only the only nit I'll pick on this, and it's not really a nitpicky thing, but I would have tried to find some extra money in the coffers to have Hogan show up at the end of this thing. Like I would have just ditched the Mickey Rourke jump in the ring to punch Chris Jericho. I understand what they're going for there. They're going for the the WrestleMania moment spot. But you know what would have been an amazing spot is, okay, Jericho has beat the three legends in, that were legit in the match. He's now taking it to Ric Flair at the end of the match. And then Jericho is just standing in the ring, looking proud of himself. And then Real American hits on the PA. When and, it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Right. Turn and the, and the turn, arena turns turn. red and yellow. They would have had to mop that arena up. Like it would just, just everybody would have wet themselves if Hogan's music would have hit at that point. Even if he doesn't actually come out, just play like play his music and have Jericho go run it. Like I don't know, I just felt like that would have been, especially with it being the 25th WrestleMania. Hulk Hogan is synonymous with like the first ten. Call him up, fly him to Houston. He's already he's in Tampa. It's not that long of a flight. Just just get him there. 
bring him out. Jericho wimps out. Oh, and then he could spin around and Mickey Rourke is snuck into the ring and clocks him. And all it took was Hogan's distraction. And like, I just felt like that was a missed opportunity with this match, but it's, it's nitpicky, you know? And I guess I don't know. I mean, I don't know not to bring reality into this, which nobody wants. Like, was this, was this like a no-go time for Hulk Hogan and WWE? Like, were they in a bad? Cause I feel like it was, I, I feel like it was a lot of Hulk Hogan was there. And then again, middle vagueness. And then he was back like doing stuff for WWE again. Um, so I feel like, yeah. Cause otherwise I don't know. Or you just, could have gone ahead and probably hit Stone Cold's music because that oh that too be yeah because ready Stone Cold for was... for Stone Cold he was there he was about to you know you have Stone Cold drive out on his on his truck uh, then instead of at the Hall of Fame people would have lost their minds oh yeah yeah that would have <laughs> also been a great spot is this Stone Cold rolling out because Stone Cold's a Hall of Famer now so in 2009 apparently Hulk Hogan was on a tour in Australia co-promoted uh, with Eric Bischoff called Hawkamania let the battle begin. Um so he may have <laughs> still I have I have wow. never heard of that before. Um no. I'm I'm guessing it wasn't good. There's some photos for it online. Um yeah, I mean I don't have any criticism for this at all. I think you know we you kind of know as soon as they introduce Mickey Rourke, you know where this is going, right? You know that um Jericho's going to get beat up by the three old guys and then we'll probably uh, win through some dirty tricks uh, and then Mickey Rourke's going to come in and punch him before the whole thing is over. And that's exactly where it goes. Uh, Flair is, you know, incredibly pissed that Jericho beat his, his three buddies. He goes in to set the record straight. It doesn't go well for him. Uh, Mickey Rourke comes in. Um, I'll just point out Mick, Mickey Rourke was a pretty serious boxer. That's why his face is all fucked up. He was uh uh, he was a gorgeous actor, you know, and he was just one of those guys that couldn't deal with uh, people not taking him seriously because of how pretty he was. So he set about on a um, a pretty serious professional boxing tour until his face looks like Hobo Johnny Depp, which is what it looks like now. Um, so he could probably knock Jericho's teeth out if he really wanted to. Uh, just just pointing that out. I mean, Jericho yeah. has Canadian, so he has medical coverage at least, but at least, you know, um, that's that's where it goes. It's funny you mentioned Australia because that's there's a great sign during this match that just says a dingo ate my sign. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true because you still have your sign. No, you don't understand. They did. He had, they had a better sign. Oh. Yeah, they it. had two signs. Okay. Dingo, ate, dingo it. ate it in the parking lot. All right. Speaking of things that I wish the dingoes would eat, we got Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy up. Um, they're in a, an extreme rules match. Uh, there's a really, really long video package that's that kind of boils down to basically uh, Matt Hardy has has all this intense personal and professional jealousy uh, for his brother uh, Jeff. He's been I, he got him into a car accident. He killed Jeff's fucking dog. He set he tried to set his brother on fire with a pyro, but I'm just going to go back to he killed his dog. I mean, that's, that's John Wick shit right there. Seriously. Yep. I don't care. I don't care what happens to Matt Hardy. I I'm glad he fell off that uh, cherry picker and cracked his head on the concrete at AEW a couple <laughs> years back. Yeah, he deserved he just, that. That was for Jeff's yeah, dog. Yeah, that's all. I hope your ah. eyes stay crossed that way for Jeff's dog. Um, yeah, my first anyway. note on this match is I don't care. 
<laughs> just, I just, no. I just don't care. And like Jr. tries to convince us that there was a huge pop for for Jeff coming out, but it really wasn't. It was nowhere near as big as the pop for Piper or Steamboat. Uh, so don't try to gaslight me, Jr. I know what I heard. I know what's <laughs> happening here. It does sometimes surprise me um, how little uh, kind of older Hardy matches grab me because I am someone who really loves high flyers. But I do also feel, um, even with the limited number I've seen, that I'm like, I've seen this before. I know what you're going to do. Like, I know there's going to be, you're going to jump off something you shouldn't. You're going to do something you shouldn't. You're going to come out and vibe for a while before you come to the ring. Like, it's just the point where you'd made earlier that there are things about some of these matches that did feel really formulaic. And I feel like formulaic when it comes to Jericho versus three legends, very good formulaic. When you're making me watch the Hardy brothers wrestle for an extended period of time, please wrap this up, please. (laughs) Everything about this is tired from the, from the start, Jeff's face paint, Matt's bad acting and worse physique. I, all I just want it all to go away. Um, So, and his, whatever those jeans are that were, that were big for a while with like the giant stovepipe, the jen- Junko, whatever they're called. The Junko yeah, jeans. Yeah. yeah. All that. It's terrible. It's like the young bucks just took everything that was bad about the Hardys and turned it into another tag team. <laughs> I, I just, and like, you, you, it's all on display in this match. Uh, why, if there are two legit wrestlers, why does it have to be a hardcore match? Why does it have to be this insane gimmick match uh other than uh wwe thinks the crowd wants to see them do stupid shit off of a ladder there there's just some things that just don't make sense in this match too as a hardcore match like why was there a framed wrestlemania poster under the ring (laughs) why was there a shop vac under the ring uh i don't uh, and matt hardy gets bloody very early in the match and i don't even know how was it a camera fail that we didn't see a shot or or what? I don't I I don't know what happened there. It doesn't matter. No. Let's let's move on. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. Uh next up is Rey Mysterio versus JBL for the WWE Intercontinental Championship match. Uh Rey Mysterio has a really dope looking Joker costume. Uh yeah. that's super fucking cool. He must be a uh, really. he must be an actual comic book fan he's done a lot of comic book things over the years he's been to flash yeah he, he really he loves it I his think. first wrestlemania he was daredevil um he was a sleeveless daredevil but you know he's a daredevil and we got the joker um and as <laughs> ever since rich pointed out the mooing over jbl's theme song i can't <laughs> can't, un-hear I can't it. get over it it's like i wish like if he had come out with real cows a plus <laughs> but he doesn't and that's why he doesn't win i i feel like i blacked out and like switched over to uh bonanza or something by accident i don't know yep i love that this is a squash match <laughs> it's great yep i love that jbl loses a squash match to uh ray mysterio jr it's it's so great again you want to fight with me about Big Show and Sasha Banks? <laughs> I just watched Rey Mysterio take down JBL, and nobody has a problem with that. Everybody's happy. 
You don't think Sasha Banks could beat the big show? I do. <laughs> I think she could. And it would look cool as shit. <sighs> but I will also say that, like, again, because I got to, I did see, like, you know, Young Rey Mysterio in, in WCW and... I love I love watching him and it was a reminder that I was like, oh, on occasion with the right opponent, the 619 looks like a believable move and yeah. not just don't move, don't move. I'm coming. I got to swing myself around. Like in this, I was like, no, JBL was caught completely off guard. He's sort of dazed. It makes sense that he'll hit the 619 and that he'll win it in his sweet Joker mask. <laughs> um, and it was amazing to me that they were like, oh, he's never had that title before. I was like, really? Okay. But I guess he was, you know, he was a cruiserweight. So it it makes yeah. a certain kind of sense. But I was surprised. And this is the first time that the Intercontinental title has been defended at WrestleMania since WrestleMania 18. Jesus. Seven years wow. since the IC title had seen a defense at WrestleMania. And it gets a squash match. I'm fine mm-hmm. with it being a squash match. But it's kind of, for the heritage of the title, it kind of feels, you know, kind of blah, knowing that, like, Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat for the Intercontinental title, WrestleMania 3, and and all those other great Intercontinental matches. Um, just it's now relegated to a squash match at WrestleMania 25. Yeah, this is this, but this match, regardless of how I feel about the IC title heritage, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I love seeing JBL get it stuffed back down his throat. I love it. <laughs> yep. I kind of, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like maybe there's a, a metaphor in this match for the Texas Mexico border conflict somehow. I, I haven't, I haven't fleshed, <laughs> I haven't fleshed it out just yet. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I want to. I'm not willing to commit to it, but there's a, there's something yeah, there. I think so. Just got to get to I, it. I, I think uh, you know the, the academics would say there's a way in which that's what we'd say about it. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so after the match, uh, JBL has has something to say, and uh, he tells us he quits wrestling. He's 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 off to go announcing. I guess. Uh, it's no more no more sweet mooing yep. on this on this soundtrack, I guess. Oh. It's very sad. I was gonna say until they start playing his music when he comes out for commentary, and I'm like, the cows are back, everybody. <laughs> Don't worry. Thank God. All right. Let's all right, let's get into it. This is the this is the highlight of the card. Uh it's uh, been a rough start. We've gotten to a little bit of a cruising point here. Uh the couple of halfway decent matches. Well, not you, Hardys. Uh, but now it's it's time for the highlight, and it's The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Of course, the big story is that The Undertaker, 16-0, and 0, will the cross-eyed pretty boy with the split ends be the one to finally cut his streak down? I, I don't know. Um, well, he is bringing Jesus, is. Uh, which is a new... <laughs> A new move against The Undertaker is to bring Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's a bold uh, move. Normally in my notes, I put like just the wrestler name versus wrestler name. And then uh, like uh, like a, uh, a list of just notes for the match. I did not get to write that. All The heading for this match in my notes is LOL, Shawn Michaels descends from heaven. <laughs> yep. And Undertaker ascends from hell. <laughs> It was amazing. That's good stuff. We're like, we're not doing subtlety yeah. here. This is God versus the devil. And guess what? The devil's going to win. Sean is bathed in white light. He's he's all in white. He's got his arms outstretched like he's uh, Clint Eastwood at the end of Gran Torino or some other 
he's he's last supper some other letter, literary figure i'm sure i just can't think of it right now um he broke bread in the back and it was like triple h you're going to betray me and he planted him a kiss and <laughs> he's like i can't drink it wine. went on for a really long time everyone was uncomfortable yeah. he prays when he comes out like he kneels Ugh. and crosses himself and prays and it's like we get it you think god is gonna help you win this match take hgh in remembrance of me <laughs> god is it turns out god's a big undertaker yeah. fan sorry didn't uh didn't mean to burst your bubble. Well, but, he's the one that delivers them to God, so of course he's a fan. Yep. <clears throat> if God really existed, he would do something about Sean's eyes. He would help get those things lined up again. <laughs> he he would have. Come on. He's not praying hard get, enough. Get those fuckers pointing in the same direction, at least, you know? Um, I appreciate, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that they carry that sort of theme throughout the match. It's not just in the entrance. It's, it's the whole way through this damn thing. Um, and uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff here. I don't think we need necessarily go through it move by move. I mean, I no. think the the big one is um, <laughs> is a sequence of things where uh, Undertaker's outside the ring. Sean tries a moonsault, and it, and Undertaker just sort of sidesteps and also just Swats slams him, him to the floor. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And I was actually just reading a little thing. It was on um, Twitter, I guess. It was the Undertaker was talking about that particular spot, and he said they kept going over it and over it and over it. And Sean could, <clears throat> Sean could just not get that moonsault straight. They even brought out crash pads and everything. I mean, that's that's the way it ended up. I don't know um, how it was supposed to look, but that's that's where they ended up. So, yeah. I also did not know until this viewing. Um, because that was a match I had seen before in isolation in some, probably in Undertaker streak viewing. Um, but that um, Snooka's... Yeah, Jimmy Snooka's son, son, Sim Snooka, is the cameraman. It's the cameraman, which I'm like, I see. That's why they knew that they could knock that man out. Because if it was a real cameraman, that one broken camera, two very injured man uh three that was one of the most terrifying landings i've ever seen and the fact that they kept replaying it and they were like here's all the ways he went wrong and i'm like he's a big old man and he didn't get the spin that he thought he was gonna get it'd be like me trying to do a cartwheel i would just sort of go up and then go straight back down it's not it's not going the way that you want it gravity is not our friend here yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, Sim Snooka is taking quite a bit of grief on the internet uh, about uh, his famous botch of failing to completely catch the Undertaker because he's supposed to actually fully eat the move, and then he doesn't either, yeah. and so Undertaker just kind of belly flops uh, onto, um, the, on onto his the neck. Cock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he neck, neck flops. flops. I think uh, is... it's not. It's not a good look. It's scary. Uh, and it turns out to be like the greatest rest spot ever. Like they're both laying there for lack of a better word, dead and you're engaged and you can't take your eyes away from it. Like I barely took any notes on this match because immediately from Sean descending from heaven to this moment, there, there was no time to like look away from the screen. These guys went harder than anybody else in this card, except for maybe Ricky Steamboat. Uh, 
but we don't need to go back onto that. The no. and like Sean, you can see the desperation in Sean's storytelling that like it gets to the point to where Sean like drags the referee back into the ring in this moment just to try and get a count out win against the Undertaker. Like he'll take anything to get out of this match and in the streak. Um and that that moment is where actually I was really grateful for JR's announcing. Um, if Michael Cole had been the lead, he would have been filling all of that space with his constant inane chatter. Uh, but instead, JR is he just sort of shuts up. He kind of lets the moment yeah. breathe. He speaks in a hushed voice when he does have to talk. And it adds so much to it that it's it's really good. Like it's um, it's n- like noticeably good. I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't pay quite as much attention to the announcing, I think, as as you do, Rich, usually. Um, but this is a spot where I felt like the less is more approach of the announcing really made it for us. So yeah, let us experience what the crowd was kind of experiencing, if that if that makes sense. Like we got to experience the crowd going nuts over two elder wrestlers just laying on the ground, <laughs> possibly suffering neck injuries. And spinal cord damage, but they're just laying there, and the crowd is losing its collective mind. Man, that crowd would love my house on the weekends because I just I do a lot of just laying around on the ground. I'm <laughs> be super excited. just being kind of hurt. I'm just, just. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my neck does bother me. I'm pretty. Oh. No, I didn't wrestle. I just slept weird. I, I picked up. I picked up a rake yesterday. It's just. It's all over. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone awry, but yeah, the the commentary and the the like the camera work, the close ups on their faces, of like when I forget if it's after after one of the tombstones where Michaels kicks out, and you just see that moment where they cut to Undertaker, and he genuinely looks like I don't have anything left. That was it. Like it, that took everything I had, and he's still kicking out. What am I supposed to do? Um, and it was another moment, much like, you know, watching and being like, I think Ricky Steamboat is going to break his Jericho. <laughs> I was like, I would have been watching this match like the streak's over. Yeah. Shawn Michaels is going to win. He has to win. How can he not? Um, and yeah, it was just an unbelievable just piece of storytelling. And also there's nothing like proper dead man music undertaker it's so good Uh, there's there's some amazing moments too that are just just sucks to suck the wind out of my out of my lungs and and one of them was when uh so one undertaker goes for the big macho man style elbow which was terrifying that's a six foot ten three hundred pound man flying from the top rope with a huge elbow which is something sean also does so like they're exchanging moves kind of a little bit and then there's the moment where sean skins the cat to get back into the ring but he lands on the undertaker's shoulders right into a tombstone i thought that was an incredibly clever spot and then undertaker catching sean michaels out of a moonsault into a tombstone so two amazingly great tombstone spots and they're creative and original spots too like i i've never seen undertaker get into the tombstone in that in those methods before and here he is late career and he's still coming up with surprise spots for us and it's 
it's a it, it was a pleasure to in to take this in again and again with the commentary to jr in the middle of this match goes this is one for the ages this is a classic and i love when jr pulls himself like out of calling the match and into a wrestling fan and a wrestling historian and is letting and lets the audience know that this is what pro wrestling is. This is what you're supposed, what it's supposed to look like. And this is what he loves. Uh, it, I, it's one of my favorite moments when Jr. does that and you don't, he doesn't do it much, uh, but it was great to hear him do it in this match because he's right. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, if we're talking about kind of going along with the crowd, um, I don't know if it's split 50, 50, but the crowd feels split 50, 50, like, both of these men have huge cheering sections. It's very back and forth. It's very balanced. Um, you just like the crowd is so into this match after so much of, you know, they've been given kind of an up and down night and the crowd is like, no, we're here. We are sold on this match. We're very present for it. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I was, I was very interested in sort of the crowd's reaction, you know, because Michaels is, is the face here, right? He's the literal, like, light side to Undertaker's dark side. But there's a significant portion of that crowd is clearly invested in seeing the Undertaker continuous streak. And then as soon as he wins, those 17 and 0 signs come out. The people have been saving them under their seats the whole time. I don't think they just suddenly broke out their Sharpies and, uh, and wrote new signs for this, <laughs> for the new total. They were, they were there to see the Undertaker continue the streak. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable match for this WrestleMania. Yeah, and they did this without chair, steel chair shots. They did this without thumbtacks. They did this without ladders. There, there's no table breaking spots. This is a classic old school wrestling match. And JR actually says that this is wrestling. And for JR and the WWE announced team to, to use the word wrestling in 2009, when it was very clearly sports entertainment and superstars uh, was the chosen vernacular at the time and still is J you can kind of hear Jr. suddenly realize what he said and, and feel like, Oh, well, I'm going to hear something from corporate for saying, calling this wrestling and not sports entertainment, but uh, he went with it anyway. And, you know, it's Jim Ross. He has clout. It's okay. I don't, I doubt anybody said a damn thing to him for saying the dirty W word on, on the show. So, um. yeah. All right. Last thoughts on this one before we move along. Good night, everybody. That's a good, that's a great, that's a great time. To that's end. where the that's show a great ended. Time to, that's where I, WrestleMania 25 ended, right? I wish I, they should have just, they should have come up with a belt uh, for these guys, you know, like the, the good and evil belt, call it the, I don't know what the battle of, uh, of um, I don't know, call it something. something battle biblical. for Middle Earth. I don't know. Yeah, battle for. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care what. Battle it is. for Just the middle vagueness. Battle. <laughs> call it something. Unfortunately, we have two more matches to sit through. Um, the next one is the John Cena versus Big Show versus Edge with Ricky Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero. It's a triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, so I had completely forgotten or missed or whatever that Edge was quote unquote married to Vicky Guerrero. Um. But she's also cheating with the big show because she is popular. Um, and so they're going to wrestle for 
Vicky's affection and then John Cena's in the mix because I guess because he won the Royal Rumble. That was actually I didn't I didn't pay attention. Nope, he did um, not. He was not the Royal Rumble winner. Okay, um, good. Yeah. I don't so clearly we don't know, and it doesn't matter. Um that's um, okay. Edge had snuck into the elimination chamber and won the belt that way. Uh, he had like knocked out Cena or Big Show or something like that. And like Edge and Big Show were going to have the match at WrestleMania. And then Cena showed up with the Mari Povich style in the green room footage of Big Show and Vicky Guerrero making out. And it's like, uh, I think basically blackmailed himself into the match. Uh, so, um, Wait, isn't this... he a face? What? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not face behavior. Well, he's a Hulk Hogan face, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to say, everything's face behavior when it's done to Vicky Guerrero. That's what I've learned. <laughs> Are you doing it to Vicky? It's, it's fine. fine. It doesn't count. Uh, you ran her over with your car? Okay. This is this well, is the first time I noticed that John Cena's uh, shirt logo is actually the old school AWA logo, but just uh, modified to say his loyal hustle, respect, or whatever, his stupid little three-word catchphrase his mission statement is um yeah yeah it's his uh corporate values i think <laughs> yeah it's on, it's on his website this is also the one with the army of cenas who line up uh down the ramp yeah like uh, that all of the Cena so clones. many cenas you know so that's an interesting visual and it's one that they, they play a lot on you know clips and whatever um but also, it's maybe not a good thing that like fifty guys can put on the same basic outfit and be indistinguishable from like your number one baby face. Like, <laughs> yep. If you, all you, you need could... is jorts and the right t-shirt and <laughs> and a hat and a... yeah. You could have run a camera down the thing and we were like, which one of these guys is John Cena? We're like, ah, uh, all of them. If you had put the real John Cena in there, I don't know if I would have been able to find him. They should have had one of the clones come to the top of the ramp and do the whole thing and come running down. And then at the very minute, like, you know, the fourth one from the end on the left came out. He was actually John Cena. Uh, and he clips know. one of them with a chair. Like, that would have been, like, <laughs> Cena has actually been hiding the entire match. And, like, Edge and Big Show just beat the crap out of each other. And the the fake Cena gets whooped. It's like a whole Undertaker versus Undertaker thing. That'd yeah. be, yeah. Um, yeah, it didn't it didn't count because it wasn't the real one i called so. them cena druids I don't know. <laughs> excellent and they should have had torches it would have been great yeah this um this did i think uh, lead jess uh, uh. and uh, us to a, a twitter discussion briefly about you know sort of least convincing kayfabe marriages uh and and edge and and vicky is up there um, I think somebody else mentioned uh, Stephanie and Tess. That was that's yeah. definitely yeah. top notch. And, um, and then that one's pretty bad. And again, I feel like when you go with like May Young and Mark Henry is so surreal that it circles <laughs> back around to like maybe this is great and believable. Maybe actually, they were together because like maybe they were. You know what? Mark Henry's a good man. I I can buy it. That's fine. Um, but I had. I had fully forgotten that again, like by the time I started watching Vicky Guerrero was a cougar with Dolph Ziggler. So, I mean, she had a theme and she was like, no, this is what I will do now. You cannot fire me. I am going to be a cougar. And it's like, that's, that's fine. Going to bang all the young Come on out in your wheelchair with Chavo Guerrero (laughs) and just do your thing. 
Yeah. I really pitied this match. I felt so bad for the for this match having to follow Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Like what do you, what do you go out and do to to try and maintain that energy? Just like actually kill your opponent in the ring or something? Like I don't how do you how do you recover from this? Like what do pro wrestler how does a pro wrestler like deal with that? Like they just went out, they just watched probably one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. And now they need to go out and it's a title defense and, and, and match that energy and that intensity that Undertaker and Shawn Michaels had, who's, I don't know, 10 to 15 years older than every participant in this match too. Like, and they, they don't come anywhere close to it. No. I do like I truly if I were them I might have been back there being like can't we cut this for time? How about this is on Raw, Raw tomorrow night? How about how about we do that? Let's kind yeah. of fake an injury. Yeah, I th- uh, I don't know. They um there's a, a Cena picking up the Big Show on his shoulders, which he did at the last WrestleMania, um or maybe it was two ago. I don't remember. He's done multiple uh, times. Yeah, he's done multiple, and it's impressive. But also we've seen it by now. Um, he yeah. He, ups the uh, difficulty on this one by putting Edge on his shoulders, too. And all I could think of when he was doing that is Rick Boogs oh. uh, at the show <laughs> earlier this year where he just popped his quad completely off of the off of the bone. Yep. And now I miss Rick Boogs. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, JR, again, lands a delicious line in this one that the big show is just a biscuit or two under 500 pounds. A biscuit um, or two. Yeah. Uh, so Cena, Cena lifting him up and like not blowing his quads out is impressive that he's, he survived that. And he's a uh, poor Rick boot. I still like <laughs> remember that as like watching that as like, he's hurt. Oh my God. He's hurt. Get, get him out yeah. of there in this match immediately picking up all the Usos at yep. once. You I shouldn't have man. been able to see his quad muscle move like that. No. So, yeah, no. Cena win, gets no. the win. He goes in the crowd to celebrate, which is cool. Like, he's a man of the people and all, but also a little bit terrifying. Um, Very terrifying, especially because I'm, again, a different time, but I'm like, you've got no security with you. Like, there's no one kind of making sure that this is okay and you're very close to all of these people which again i mean i was less afraid of this than i was of when people were getting close to mickey rourke because i was like have y'all not like mickey rourke is not the one he will take a swing at you i don't think he'll care um at least with john cena i'm like he'll probably be fine but also please get out of (laughs) cena you're too pretty you're too pretty don't do that but there's definitely uh, more cheers than booze for Cena at this one. You know, the crowd is typically yeah. pretty split for him, but he's uh, he's over big time here. They're they're into it. The I hate Cena uh, shirts were there. The that yeah. little that family. I don't know if it was the same family. It would be amazing <laughs> if it was the same family that they're just following him from show to show with these t-shirts. Uh, but they were there, and him diving into the crowd though did let us see the sign that said "Big Show ate my sign." um there's a lot of sign eating happening at this show and that that sign actually had like the corner chunk missing which was so at least they were like no no no. they they fully committed to the crafts they pulled out the little safety scissors and i did appreciate cena you know literally and physically leaning into the family that was all like booing him and him doing his like yeah what could you do 
And I'm like, ah, you. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, uh, the night's uh, not done yet. Um, I'm just, this is an unrelated sign alert from SmackDown last week. I, I messaged Rich about it while I was going on. Somebody had a sign that said, hi, dad in jail in huge block letters, which I thought was fucking beautiful. <laughs> that's, that's poetry yeah, that's right it. there. I love it so much. Um, we got the Hall of Fame section, which we always enjoy. This year's inductees are Dory uh, Jr. and Terry Funk, who somehow are, are still alive. Um, Coco Beware, who looks fantastic. He's got, uh, I don't know if that, um, was that Frankie the Parrot or was that a replacement parrot? I don't know if that was the original Frankie, but they cl- they found one that they were like, we're going to get it don't to look close. Don't Google what happened to Frankie the Parrot. Don't do it. Don't. I'm just telling you. I do okay. not. Um, no. Speaking of tragedies, the Von Erich family is here, represented by Kevin Von Erich, um, the last remaining Von Erich, who looks like Tony Hawk for some reason. Uh, Cowboy Bill Watts, who I'm not sure how many of those fans know who Cowboy Bill Watts is, not but that's them. okay. None of them. Howard Finkel, the Fink, got inducted this year. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, of course, our man. Uh, he's introduced by Ric Flair, and they do a nice little like lockup on stage, which I thought was great. Um, and then the last one is, of course, Stone Cold, introduced by Vince McMahon. There's the usual sort of nice intro of everybody on the stage. And then um, yeah, I have some mixed feelings about this. So um, everybody's out there waving, doing their thing. And then there's the glass break, and Stone Cold, Stone Cold. He comes ripping out of there on a four-wheeler. Um, down to the ring, catches some beers, drinks a bunch of them. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love Stone Cold as much as the, the next '90s uh, wrestling fan. Uh, I thought it was a little disrespectful to all those legends on the stage, actually, to just kind of like, hey, you know what? I'm going to make this all about me right now. Um, and actually, when he rides the four wheeler back up to the top of the stage, all those folks are gone. They're just like, yeah, get to the back. I got my four wheeler yeah. and my beers. Uh, what'd you guys think? Yeah. It, and it, it, it goes on it's a little long, like for a while. Like I enjoyed the little moment with Jr. like him taking Jr.'s hat and the two of them clashing beers, but I, yeah. And I, I do think I'm like, truly this moment during the Jericho match fun, like a, a fun wacky thing. This moment during the hall of fame, Going on this long, we have already endured so much. As a people. Yeah. Uh, I, so at this point, my wife decided to actually watch a little bit with me, and she didn't understand what was happening at all. So I got to explain the concept of Austin 316 to her and the origin of it, and that was a lot of fun. She was like, I still don't really understand, but okay. And she was like, why is he drinking beer? I was like, well, that's what he does. But he's why is he just drinking all that beer i was like that's his thing <laughs> that's 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 stone cold that's really you it know? it's kind of um, yeah and i as i had as i had tweeted last night i think the the biggest like the biggest train that i miss and my husband and i ended up having a long conversation about it was i was like i just I never got into Stone Cold. And I think why, when I think about why, because I was like, all right, Jess, let's do some introspection. I was like, first of all, I missed a lot of um, when he was at his most interesting. Um, But when I think about the kinds of wrestlers that I liked when I was younger and when I was uh, into like 
early high school, which is when I stopped watching wrestling, the kind of over the top I enjoyed was not um, a man in jorts. Um, even though Tommy's like, you don't think Stone Cold is one of the most, Tommy's my husband, he's like, one of the most over-the-top characters there's ever been. I'm like, no, he was, just not in a way that appealed to what I was enjoying in wrestling. And I was like, also, I do think that if I was not such a, like, anxious goody-two-shoes kid, he probably would have been appealing. But I was like, but he's being mean. Why would you do that? Why is he throwing all that fear? Um, it was very, and then going back later, having the unfortunate, like I, as a rule, I try to focus on what's happening in the ring, but I was like, ah, I can't unknow things now that I'm trying to go back and get into your old stuff. And so I just, I'm like, I missed the, I missed the stone cold boat. He is iconic and definitely one of the most recognizable wrestlers of all time. But I, I think actually the one thing that might be that could be because of that is that you weren't the target for him at that time. He was, he was, uh, he was the face of the attitude era with the rock and the attitude era did not care about you. If you were over 40 or did not have a penis, like, or, you know, that, that was not their, their angle. And he is the anti-hero character that represents that like so much of that generation that had grown up with Hulk Hogan was now into early adulthood and dealing with their first bosses and their bosses are assholes. They just tell them what to do all the time. I know what I'm doing. Like, and stone cold was the embodiment of that rebellion. And, um, I think that's really, really where, where that all comes from. I wasn't, I wasn't either a super big fan of stone cold, but I enjoyed his character and I enjoyed his vignettes, especially like when he attacked Vince McMahon at the hospital with a bedpan, you know, like these and like he drove down to the ring in a Zamboni and he or he drove down with a beer truck and hosed everybody down with a beer in the ring, you know. So it was it was these antics, at least that drew me into him as a character and I was familiar with his wrestling from WCW. We talked about my friends and I in middle school and stuff would talk about stunning Steve Austin uh, and the Hollywood blondes all the time. And so I was already familiar with his wrestling stuff. But then once he, he had that character, I just thought the character was funny because I wasn't either the target age at that time for him. I was in high school. What, what do I know about a boss? What is he, my math teacher? That's the closest I can. Like, so I, I think that's that might be one reason why you just didn't get the appeal. And I think that's another reason why my wife didn't get the appeal of Stone Cold just at this Hall of Fame ceremony. Like, I don't understand why Austin 316 means I just kicked your ass. And I don't understand why he's like throwing beers and spilling them over people and drinking them and it's like, well, that's what he does. That's who he is. Yeah. I will say the sound that bedpan makes is still one of the funniest things that's ever happened. It's every single time. The other thing is I will always love the match in yes. the grocery store. Which that's a classic. Great. It's over. Like, and I think that was the the stuff that I was like, okay, I see where like this kind of goofiness was appealing. Um, 
Because, yeah, oh, God, that bedpan noise. Why didn't they just play that clip? That would have been fine. You didn't have to come out in your beer truck. Just play that sound effect. That's his whole Hall of Fame induction speech is just that. that yeah. I have a little Stone Cold uh, action figure right here. Um, uh, but I, I was also maybe a little bit older when, you know, his. I was finishing up college and about to be employed <laughs> and sort of already looking forward to uh, hating my boss, I guess. I don't know. Um, I think, you know, one of those things is, uh, you know, kind of like, Hawk Hogan, you know, you sort of react to the character, you react to the image, and then a little bit later you realize, yeah, his ring work actually probably wasn't actually even, even all that good. Um, and I think Stone Cold is actually pretty similar. Like he he had a uh, a particular style that the the work itself, I mean, it was fine. It was you know, don't get me wrong, um, but it was also sort of beside the point, right? Like, um, and so what Hawk Hogan did in the ring between the entrance music and the exit music it didn't matter so much. And, and I think Steve Austin's a little bit um, similar. So anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see him here. Um, it's interesting how quickly he got inducted into hall of fame, considering he's on a stage with people like Terry goddamn funk and, uh, and Ricky, the dragon steamboat, you know, he's uh, only really been out of the business a few years at this point. Um, and he's already being, being brought back. I feel like they could have, maybe save that one for when their numbers were dipping even more. Uh, he still draws more than any of these other jokers. They get on <laughs> week to week to week, you know? Um, yeah. I was, I was really surprised. I was like, what? Really? It was just here. Stone yeah. Cold right now. <clears throat> yeah. Well, at this point it'd been what, how many, how many WrestleManias? like seven or eight since yeah. his last actual in ring match at this point. So, because his last match was against The Rock there, that one. Um, so I didn't have an issue with him going in at this point. The one, the only real issue that I had, and it, it's not to take away from him, I loved Coco Beware. I loved Frankie the Parrot. Uh, but Coco <laughs> goes into the I Hall know. of Fame, but Demolition isn't. Yeah, that's, I I'm gonna I'm going to beat that drum. Like, Coco never held a belt. Coco was, I'm not going to call him a jobber. But he was fill-in talent. He was filler, mid-card. He was mid, as MJF would say, very mid. And I know he had a long career, and he did some great work other places in, like, the USWA and, like, in Mid-South and stuff like that. But him going into the Hall of Fame before a group of guys like Demolition kind of rubs me weird. I don't know. Like, I, it's just... You know, I and it's not like they're still hurting for people like this past like Hall of Fame induction for WrestleMania 38. They were really struggling to <laughs> to get people uh, and they had to like convince the Undertaker to go in now just because they had no one else to go into the Hall of Fame this past year. So they could have <laughs> saved Coco Beware for like now. Especially because it's not. And again, I love I love, you know, I love high energy. I love Coco Beware. But yeah, it's not like. At least from my understanding, I'm like, it's not like Coco Beware was that kind of hard living guy where you're like, look, he might not be here in a couple of years. We got to get him in now. He was fine. He was just, he still is just living his life. He probably wouldn't have minded waiting. Yeah. I'm sure he would have appreciated seeing uh, no. Demolition at his same ceremony. Could have brought those guys in. Anyway, so it was a fun, fun little Hall of Fame class. Uh, good good group of folks um no women in this class just pointed it out um 
Also, so again, some of these folks did very limited work with the WWE. Von Erichs, uh, Cowboy Bill Watts. Um, so, uh, and then we get an ad for WrestleMania 26, which is in Arizona, which is a place I don't recommend going to. There's also an announcement for the attendance at 72,744, which is a phenomenon I never quite understood. Everybody just cheers because they attended a thing and somebody counted them. Good for them. And then we get another ad for the official theme of WrestleMania 25, something from ACDC's Black Ice album, which is one of the ACDC albums that you probably didn't know existed. Um, that was a Walmart exclusive. I remember that, yeah. And I went, I have it on vinyl and CD, I think. And I went to the tour concert. That was my first time seeing ACDC. Um, nice. That was a hell of a hell of a show. They had a giant locomotive that came crashing through the screen and stuff like that behind them. And, you know, Angus strips down to his underwear during the Jack and, you know, all the traditional ACDC stuff. Good time. Yeah. That album has a lot of songs about rocking and trains. It has a, a, a profound lack of songs about balls, which is something that I, yeah, uh, I, I insist of for my ACDC albums. There's yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you're going to do it. You know, it's funny that it like uh, there was an interview with Ang- Angus Young where he said once that like we put out the same album every year, but the kids keep buying it. So we're going to keep doing it. You might as well. Yeah, it's a smart <laughs> yeah. strategy. I respect it. You got a good formula. Why fuck with it? You know, right. Um. All right. Last match. Thank God. Uh, it's a WWE championship match. It's Triple H versus Randy Orton. There's a no champion's advantage stipulation for Triple H for this one, meaning he loses the belt if he is counted out or disqualified. Um, so, you know, typically the champion has the advantage where they have to get beaten by pinfall in order to lose the belt. That's gone for Triple H here. Uh, we had a long, long, long package of the setup um triple h turned on randy randy takes out the mcmahon family the rko's stephanie he's talking like he has a head injury throughout here i don't know if he's trying to be dramatic or what his deal is but it's um it's a little distracting probably probably because he kept getting beat up with a sledgehammer um who's healing who's facing this match i i guess i guess randy is technically the heel because he's going after the woman i i i don't know yeah this um, this uh this match reminded me that the legacy existed yeah um with uh cody rhodes and uh yep that and was newly my reaction uh, phil and ted dibiase jr i don't think uh i don't think mr perfect's kid was in the business yet otherwise he would have been perfect for that group <laughs> get it um yeah yeah I, I triple h stares at himself in a giant mirror and then breaks it to come down to the ring and like neither one of these guys seem to get that much of a pop from the crowd. Like the crowd is just done with this show. They're just they're exhausted. They're sitting down. They're <laughs> like they've been dead since Undertaker yep. and Sean. They're not that invested in the near falls. They're not really invested in anything, especially again because you've just given them Stone Cold. Yeah. Like you've just given them something fun and it's like anyway you don't get to leave well, yet. Well, and the wrap-up of, uh, sh- you know, Sean and Undertaker was like over an hour ago at this point, right? You've got two boring guys in the same black mm-hmm. gear. Um, it's just nobody's into it at all. 
I care even less than the crowd does. Uh, I did appreciate a sign that said break Orton's neck with two exclamation points after it, which I thought was, <laughs> was jaunty. That was nice. I, um, I got really excited when like immediately Randy Orton lands the RKO. I was like, all right, they're wrapping this shit up. Maybe there's just an extra long montage at the end of the show yep. or something, but then that doesn't end it. And then triple H lands a pedigree. And then I'm just like, Oh great. So now they've both taken each other's finishers within 30 seconds of the start of this match. Now they're just going to lay around for 20 minutes. That's what's going to happen. And it, it kind of is they, you know, um, and I had noticed something that a lot of Randy Orton's movements reminded me of Kenny Omega, like the gesturing and the shoulder movements and the posturing and stuff. And maybe that's why I don't like either one of them. I just don't like that stuff. But I mean, Orton also, in my opinion, has zero personality. There's just nothing. There's nothing there. Um, I I like the gimmick that they're attempting with him that he's brain damaged or something from a from a concussion but I I don't I don't understand but like just like his his movements especially when like he's acting stunned and weak need he just need he just looks like a toddler who needs to go pee pee in the potty which I mean it's a pose yeah. that I'm very familiar with right now um and this match ends up just being Triple H goes for the pedigree. Orton reverses out of it. Something else happens. They lay down. Triple H goes for the pedigree. Orton reverses. They lay down. Like 300 times. And then suddenly <laughs> they're like, WrestleMania yep. 25 is over. Good night, everybody. Yeah. We know we said that there were no disqualification. Like, if he got disqualified, he'd lose. But y'all want to see him use the sledgehammer right here he used it it's over good night everybody I wanted to, that was your uh, face. i wanted to see him use the tv uh, monitor but the you know the ref talks him out of it that's yeah. the one yeah. spot i was like oh my god he's gonna kill him let's do it <laughs> let's do it let's see it this is it this could be it yeah i feel i feel like the only like the only thing that i was like i guess this is like from a research perspective kind of weird and interesting um like that weird, intense moment backstage when Vince and Shane come up to Triple H and are like nodding at him like, this is for Stephanie. You're going to do it, right? Because this is for, you're protecting our girl. And I was like, <laughs> Stephanie's a whole person. Like, I think, first of all, I'm not a, I'm not really pro McMahon in almost anything, but I'm like, God bless her. She's a trooper. She's like, all right, you need me to take an RKO? You need me to be DDT'd while my husband's handcuffed to the to the bars and a weird, like, psychosexual You want to crucify me? Whatever. Great. We'll um, yep. That's, that's fine. That sounds neat. Um, but it definitely had these, like, very weird, you got to defend Stephanie's honor. Like, I was half expecting Stephanie to show up. And like, you know, we've seen, you know, in, in more recent WrestleManias, like Stephanie be the one who gets the sledgehammer, like Stephanie being the one who's like, no, I'm going to. And I was like, you know what? I think I could have gotten behind that if it was like she came out there and just was like, I'm going into business for myself. Go to hell, Randy Orton. I'm hitting you with a sledgehammer um, while this referee is knocked out. But instead it was like, no, nope, we're just going to make kind of vague reference to the fact that all of this is about what he did to Stephanie that you didn't really care until it was happening to her. 
uh, now you're going to wrestle this man for a really long <laughs> yeah. time. So, so very the only bored. two sort of amusing thing that's not well, the, the TV monitor spot is, is halfway decent, but um, there's a spot where Triple H kind of catches uh, the kick from from Randy and sort of tips him over the top rope to the floor. And yeah. right as he hits, somebody holds up a sign that says "Man Down," um, which <laughs> the, the timing is just chef's kiss. It was beautiful. That's beautiful. So that was great. The other thing is, um, so I almost watch. I watch pretty much all of our streaming stuff with the subtitles on, um, you know, sort of the older I get, the the worse my hearing gets. And I just, I have a hard time sort of making out uh, dialogue anymore. So I just leave it on and just, it just plays. Right. So, um, so during this match, there's a subtitle that just says crowd chatter, right? Not, not cheering, not booze, <laughs> just crowd chatter, just indistinct noise of a restless board crowd. Just, I've already seen Stone Cold. They're approaching hour four. They're ready to get the fuck and beat the crowd. Um, and then a little bit later in the match, when it's still clearly the same level of noise, um, it switches to say crowd cheering on the subtitles. And I'm like, you are misrepresenting this, Mr. Subtitle person. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm going to take that up with yeah, the Peacock people. The, the the sledgehammer shot, I think that was really interesting. It was very... Um like old school crowd reaction. Like they're watching Monday night raw kind of like, like Monday night raw from 96 where they triple H lands a sledgehammer shot. And you can see everybody in the crowd look down the aisle to see if someone is about to come down to interfere. Not, not like they're invested in what just happened in the ring, but they want to see that something else is going to happen. They want to, they want, they want something else to happen because they're bored. And this match is so boring there's a spot where the uh triple h gets back body dropped onto like the spanish announce table and it's very clear that they did not gimmick the tables for this night and so that table does not give and it looked very hard of a shot and then there's they're trying to be dramatic about whether triple h is going to beat the count to get into the ring after taking that and he makes it but the crowd doesn't care and it's because triple h is representing mcmahon who is still traditionally heel and has never really been able to break out of that heel uh thought uh perception from the crowd and orton who's a heel so it's just two heels beating the crap out of each other they don't care and the moment this match ends the camera pulls back and you can see herds of people <laughs> getting up, heading for the parking lot. They, they don't care about triple H's celebration in the ring. They don't care about anything. They like, Oh, well, I'm going to beat the traffic out of here. Houston traffic's horrible. They're just, they're up and out the door. <laughs> they're done. They're done with the show. It's, it's four hours. They had to sit through 20 minutes of kid rock. And <laughs> now they had to sit through this crap. The best part that happens in this match is uh, when Triple H wins, we get to hear Motorhead again. Uh, that sort of leads us into a, a video recap of the highlights of the show that's set to an absolutely terrible fucking song. I don't know if it was just terrible or if it was Christian Rock or both. It was, it's, I don't know what it was. Um, and then that's the end of the show. So we, we made it. We survived. Um, it's getting late. Uh, I think. <sighs> We we have to pick a best match, a worst match, and a no shit moment. I think the best match is a no brainer, right? Or we're not we're not going to argue about that one, are we? Yep. Okay. The Divas Royal Rumble was was amazing. Yeah, that was that's no. clear. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> no. 
That's what we all uh, mean, under, right? Is, Undertaker, Sean. Yeah. Is the Divas match the worst yeah, match of the night, or you, would you pick a different one? Uh, from me? I mean, it would have to be a match. Oh gosh, it would have to be a match first days. to count as the worst match, probably. And I don't know if it qualifies. Yeah, I feel like that's yeah. the problem. Honestly, is that calling it the calling it the worst match acknowledges it as a match. Yeah, and my oh shit moment is probably the Undertaker landing on his goddamn neck. It's yeah. a top three for sure. Yeah, I think my oh shit moment is uh, Ricky Steamboat springing over the top rope onto Chris Jericho. Yes, on the outside. Ricky was, it was I was gonna say was it Ricky Steamboat who's uh, yeah Ricky actually skinned the cat. And it was just like, they were just like, Ricky Steamboat yeah. just skipped the cat. And I was like, he's the yeah. best wrestler in the world. <laughs> those were both, when I made a list, it was those two. And then the third one was me liking a Shawn Michaels match for the second WrestleMania in a row. Uh, I know. <laughs> is, Holy wow. shit. Uh, Shawn is a much better worker when he comes <sighs> back from in, from this retirement. It's it, He's so much better. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I'm just mad. Yeah. Um, okay. Do we, uh, any ideas on a rating, uh, one to one to five and with, uh, you know, decimal points being, um, not only allowed, but encouraged. I, I think for me, I'm at like a, like a 3.25. This show is so bipolar. It is up and down with the energy. It's, it's unsteady, but it, if it wasn't for Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, this uh, this WrestleMania would probably be like a one and a half. But that match alone makes me graded on a curve. I can't decide if I'm at like just I'll probably just say a, a three, just a really basic three because Undertaker, Shawn Michaels and then the Jericho Legends match was just so enjoyable, like just kind of the two poles of what I enjoy most in wrestling. Um so yeah, I will say a solid because it's true. The Undertaker Shawn Michaels match is so good that I'm like I have to bump it up a little bit higher, even if it was only two matches out of eight that I genuinely enjoyed. <laughs> I like those two, and I did like that Rey Mysterio match. I gave it a two point seven five. I think most of it sucks. I think most of the people involved should be ashamed of themselves. Um, but the <laughs> the highlights were the highlights were were definitely worth it. I'll just real quickly I'll just do our in memoriam section. This is a very short one, but as we do every episode, we like to just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen who are no longer with us. So for this uh, WrestleMania 25 from 2009, our in memoriam section includes Shant Gaspard, who's in a dark match as one of the Lumberjacks. We actually don't see him on the Peacock, but he was there. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, Mae Young. Uh, most of the Von Erich family, Fritz, David, Mike, Chris, and Carrie, who are all introduced during the uh, Hall of Fame section, and the inimitable Howard Finkel. All right, so that's our show for today, everybody. Again, thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Jess. Uh, you can find her on the Twitters at Wrestle Academic. Uh, you can find us on the Twitters at WrestleMania Pod. You can check our website at WrestleMania, all the WrestleManias.com. You can always send us an email at all the WrestleManias at gmail.com. Check our Facebook, check our Instagram. We love hearing from our listeners. We love your suggestions and your criticisms uh, when they're gentle. Um, so for now, we're signing off. This is Tim. And I'm Rich. We'll see you next time, everybody.